Welcome to the IBJJF podcast, the official podcast of the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. Tune in to hear interviews with the top coaches and athletes in the sport, as well as breakdowns and analysis of the biggest events. Let's dive into this week's episode. back with another episode of the IBJJF podcast. My guest today is JT Torres. JT returns to the lightweight division at the 2023 Worlds this year. JT, thanks for being here. Of course, man. It's uh, an absolute honor to be here with you today. Yeah, I can't wait to get into this conversation. I feel like everyone is really excited to see you back competing in the Gi. I believe the last time you were in the Gi in an IBJJF major championship was the 2019 Worlds. Had yep. two fights that year in the middleweight division. Had a really nice submission victory over Manuel Hebamar with a 50-50 armbar that was really cool. And then had a very close match with Izak. So can you talk about that 2019 experience and what you remember back from, from that those matches that you had? Yeah, so uh, yeah, the last of my fall world, 2019, pretty crazy to hear that a couple of years ago now. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I fought, I prepared well and I, and I thought I fought well. Um, I went out there that first match against Hibamar, who's always a very game competitor, super tough, super technical, and a good competitor in the sense that he knows how to compete well. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a great match. I was able to dominate. I remember, I, I think, pretty sure I hit a double leg, nice double leg takedown, a lot of pressure passing on top, got some good positioning, and then we ended up getting caught up in 50-50. Uh, I think he got on top off the 50-50 sweep, and I hit a, a real slick arm bar from 50-50. Uh, which is actually my second armbar from 50-50 I've done in my competitive career. Uh, and then the next match was against um, Azaki. And that I think he was returning champ that year. Yeah, he was 2018 world champion. Yeah, I, I think he was returning champ. So that match was was being hyped up, and which was awesome. You know, I was super excited for the match, and I know the fans were into it. And when we started the match, you know, I – Knowing Izaki and watching him compete, I'm like, okay, he's 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 someone who gets after. And you know, the match didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. You know, I'll say that it was a, a, a somewhat of a slow paced match, and you know, basically we were we were locked up into the 50-50 the entire match. And if there's something that people know about me, they they know that I love to get after it. I love to have a good match. I love to uh, exchange positions and. And, you know, go out competing as hard as I can. And I remember I dropped that match. I, 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 the score could have been 2-2 two to two or 4-2 to two or 2-0. Two it was something like that. And I remember just walking away from that match pretty upset. I wasn't, I wasn't too happy with it. And I guess I could say part of the reason why I didn't compete in the gi for a while was maybe because of that match. I was, I was just very frustrated with the way it went, um, being stuck in 50-50 the entire time. And you know, it's kind of cool. I'm seeing that there's new rules being implemented. I know you guys put some new rules in for like Opel and 50-50 and that Grand Prix, uh, the last one, which is awesome to see. But, you know, he did what he had to do to win the match, and he's a great competitor, and he's a world champion for a reason. But that match definitely left a, a bitter taste with me. And, you know, years went by. You know, um, you know, the world got kind of funky for a little bit, which I think also was part of taking uh, – a time off for me, you know, from, from competing and, and throwing the gi back on, you know, I had to focus on the gym and the business uh, side of things, but the time is right to get back out there. I'm always someone who's always loved 
training gi, no gi, competing gi and no gi, it's no different for me. No matter what I'm competing in, gi or no gi, I'm still training both consistently. I've always done that from the start of my career and I'm still doing it till today. So, you know, I'm always ready. I'm always ready. I'm always training. I'm always uh, staying sharp. So the time was right to get back out there. I got a good crew of, of young competitors who are hungry, who are getting after it. And I'll be honest, that motivates me. It excites me to see that. I'm like, you know what? Let's get after it. Let's get back out there. We're only young. We're only able so long. So mm -hmm. why not? You know, and uh, I know people have been itching to watch me go back out there in the gi. And like I said, I love, I love jujitsu. I love the gi. It's always been a goal of mine to become a world champion with the gi on too. So the time is now. Yeah, you mentioned the pandemic. Of course, you were competing Nogi a lot. But when yeah. I think back about some of your early matches in your career, your nickname was the Spider-Man because of your spider yeah. guard grips. And it, it kind of feels <laughs> like you're getting back to your roots a little bit. Do you feel that? And do you feel like that's something that that's, that's important to you? Yeah, you know, uh, I've always, like I said, I've always enjoyed competing. I've always, I, I love jiu-jitsu. It's my life. It's what I do. And competing back with the gi on feels right. You know, I, I, I enjoy both gi and Nogi and, for a while, I competed just nogi, and for sure, there was something missing inside. I'm like, oh man, I miss my kimono. Now, <laughs> now that I didn't train, I was still training with the gi. But there's something about competing, and something that you know, it's a feeling that competitors would know what I'm talking about. It's hard to explain, but when you get out there, there's a, you know, those butterflies kick in, and those nerves kick in, and you know, it's like a love hate relationship. They, they, uh, you know, they they can kind of, you know, drive you a little crazy, but something about them makes you excited too. So getting those com those competitive jitters again is exciting and I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to it i want to hear a little bit about your training camp because you've had your own school essential jiu-jitsu yep. open now for a few years yep. it's, it's more of an established school now you have some really good competitors got a lot of competitors traveling to train with you for competition as well which is very cool can you talk about going through a training camp for a major gi event and how it's been doing that at essential yeah, absolutely. So for every major tournament that we do, I always set aside about eight to 10 weeks to focus uh, specifically on that one tournament. So for the last eight, eight and a half weeks, we've been getting ready for Gi Worlds. And we've been doing specific trainings for this tournament coming up. So um, whether it be situationals that we may be encountering, um, knowing the rules, knowing the, the positions and, you know, knowing how to read the scoreboard and how to, you know, uh, when to increase your pace, decrease your pace throughout the clock and stuff like that. All those little things going to play. So we've been doing exactly that the last eight weeks, getting ready for this tournament. And it's been since 2019, we talked about, it's been about four years since you competed at the Worlds. So yeah. I'm sure your game has evolved tremendously in that amount of time. You've been doing a lot of no-gi, and like you said, you've still been training in the gi. Can you yeah. talk, talk about some of the technical changes that you've made in your game since then? Uh, you know, I feel that, my game has just improved in the sense of my basics have gotten better. My fundamentals have gotten better just because I understand jiu-jitsu more at a higher level now. Um, I wouldn't say, yeah, you know, I added a hundred new techniques to my game. It's more about just making my jiu-jitsu that, that much more efficient. And teaching and coaching has helped me done, do, do that. You know, um, constantly always have to break, breaking down technique in my mind and explaining it to a white belt or to a high level competitor at my academy has really helped me sharpen my technique. So I, I would say that my game has improved and it's just more, I'm just more efficient with my techniques now. And of course, on top of that experience, you know, I've been, I've been a black belt a long time now, but this is my 14th year as a black belt. 
Uh, I got a lot of experience under my belt. I've, I've, I've encountered a lot of different jiu-jitsu games over the last decade and a half. I've fought some of the best guys over the last, you know, decade and a half. And, you know, I've kind of taken pieces from everything, all my experiences, and just added it to my game and, and just learned from all of that. I think early in your career, you were someone who I look to as someone who's very well-rounded. Like you always had very good guard, very good passing. Your back takes were, were incredible. But now I think we're seeing a lot of competitors who are, are getting a little bit more well-rounded. They were more specialists in the past. Yep. And now I think people can, can pretty much do it all, especially at the highest levels at Black Belt. Do you agree with that? And what are some other changes that you think you've seen in the gi scene over the past couple of years? I totally agree with that. You know, people are, uh, yeah, they're just more well-rounded i remember you know when i first started competing at black Bow, like this guy's a guard player this person's a top player this person's got a good double leg you know just avoid those things and you'd be good now it's like hey everyone's good at everything right yeah. um so that's the biggest thing that stands out to me and other than that just people becoming more professional athletes you know the, the sport mm -hmm. has grown big time since i've been in the sport you know and with that growth the the athletes have become more professional so you see people training full time, you see people, you know, doing their shunt conditioning, their dieting, everything to a T to give themselves the best chance of winning a world title now. Absolutely. So let's talk about the lightweight division. Some really, really exciting matchups that I cannot wait for at the Worlds. Yeah. We got guys like Mateus Gabriel, we got Jonathan Alves, Lucas Valenti, all amazing champions that you haven't really faced, had a chance to face oh. yet just because you took that little break from the gi. So yeah. can you talk about those guys, any of them that you're particularly excited to fight and just the style of, of each of them? Yeah, all those guys are awesome. Um, so like Lucas, um, super guard, super good guard player from what I see. He just won the Brazilian Nationals I saw. Yep. Uh, Mateus is a defending world champion, right? He, I, he won his world title at Featherweight and then he, yes. he closed out with Hinato Canuto. He's someone who's got an awesome guard too, but he's someone that I would consider who's, who's pretty well-rounded as well. Um, but all these guys are well-rounded. All these guys are solid. All these guys are good, um, which leads to great matchups all across the board. So at the end of the day, everybody wins, right? The fans win, um, and it just brings exciting matches out to you know the world stage, which is just a benefit for everybody involved in the sport. But yeah, these matchups are, are insane, man. It's going to be crazy when these brackets come out. Yeah, you talked a lot about the professionalism of jiu-jitsu already, and I think a team that really embodies that, that you're a part of, is Atos Jiu-Jitsu. Their yep. headquarters are in San Diego. Got yep. a chance to talk to Galvao not too long ago, and he just basically broke down all the divisions where his athletes were competing. It was a really cool conversation. So are there any athletes from Atos that you want to talk about? Maybe Ty Rutolo, Kainan Duarte, Gustavo Batista. The list can kind of go on and on, but any that you're particularly excited to watch compete? Man, all those guys are heavy hitters. Uh, Atos is a, a strong team. It's a strong team, and you know that starts from the front. You know, Professor Gabal has built a great team. I remember being there uh, for five years. I lived in San Diego for five years, and just watching him. Uh, when I was living there, he was still competing and winning world titles and things like that. So when I was there, it was really cool to watch him lead the team from the front as like a as a coach, but he was also training as a competitor. So that was really cool to see. And it's no surprise that the team is as strong and as big as it is now. But going back to your question, um, yeah, all those guys you mentioned are awesome. You know, Ty Rotulo is one of my favorite guys to watch. He's just, he gets after it, man. If I, he just gets after it. That's the, the easiest and simple way to say it. He gets after it and he's a fan favorite. But I gotta say someone that I'm super excited to see come back into the game and do their thing again is the Hulk, man, Lucas Barbosa. Yeah. He's another guy that, super exciting. Um, I will say this real quick, quick little story. 
when I was living in San Diego, a lot of these guys like the Rutulos or uh, Batista, um, Kainan, all these guys, they didn't, they didn't, they weren't in San Diego when I was there. They came over shortly after I left back to New York to open my own academy. But someone I did spend a little bit of time with in San Diego was Lucas Barbosa. We actually trained a lot together. Um, we got to know each other pretty well. And, you know, he, he's uh, he, another one who's a, a strong competitor. And he's someone who, who fans enjoy watching. And at the end of the day, I'm also a fan of the game, right? I enjoy sitting back and watching some of these guys compete. And that's one guy that I'm super excited that he's back. And I'm excited to watch him compete as well. So as a fan of the game, I'm sure you've watched Tynan Dauper over the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So dominant in the middleweight division, undefeated in IBJJF competition, really yeah. unprecedented stuff. So can you talk about a potential match with Tynan and Tyrutolo? Oh, man, that's going to be fireworks. That's all I'm going to say. It's going to be fireworks. And, um, you know, from from my experience, they're both really cool guys. Uh, you know, they're, they're the, the new generation, the two new young guys in, in the game, right? Uh, I remember living in San Diego and this is when AOJ and Atos were all under the same roof, under the same umbrella. And we used to cross train. We used to go up to Costa Mesa once a week. And then once a week they used to come down to San Diego and we used to cross train a lot for the big tournaments. And I remember Tainan was a, a green belt, I believe. Wow. <laughs> green belt, man. It's crazy. He, he was a green belt. And I remember um, seeing him on the mats at AOJ when we go up there and, and cross train and he was always a nice kid. Um, I remember he even asked me a question once about a technique. I mean, when he was a green belt, like years ago now. And to see him become what he's become is it's it's awesome. You know, I remember I ran into him um I don't know, maybe two years ago at Master Worlds. He was doing there was like an event where he competed in during Master Worlds. Grand Prix, yep. The Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. And um it was the first time I seen him in a couple of years. And I just remember shaking his hand, like, hey man, congratulations on everything you've accomplished, man. Absolutely amazing. And then the same thing goes for the Rutulos. I remember uh, this is before I was living in San Diego, but there was one time I was in San Diego. I hung out after Worlds one year early, maybe 2010, 2009, 2010, I think, 2010 Worlds. And Rutulos' mom reached out to me asking, "Hey, can you give? Can I book a prior lesson for my for my sons?" And just to think back and, and, and remember these two guys as young kids, and to see them now as adults doing their thing and dominating in their own right. It's just cool, man. It's really cool to see that and to see them potentially pair off even better, right? Even better. Cause I know it's going to be an exciting match. Everyone's going to be excited to watch that match. It's going to be a lot of hype behind it. And that brings more attention to the sport, which is always good for everybody at the end of the day. Absolutely. Let's pivot a little bit and talk about your academy, Essential Jiu Jitsu. Yeah, yeah. You've done such a good job building up a great competition team, and just building up a great gym and culture from, from what I can see from the outside. So Thank can you. you talk about some of the athletes that you have competing at the Worlds? I know Fion is training with you now too, so if you want to touch on, on her and her division, that would be great too. Yeah, yeah. so Fion is the defending world champion. Um, she's been training with us, I want to say she started coming over uh was a few like a few months before the last world championships and we've just built our relationship from there our, our um, coach athlete relationship and she's been a great addition to the academy to the team she's someone who's uh, a hard worker you know she came in already as a high level athlete and you know sometimes you're not sure how that's going to go whether they want to do things their way or or 
they're going to keep an open mind. And she's someone who came in and was like, listen, I'm ready to work hard. What are we doing? Let's get after it. Let's do it. And I can appreciate that. So she, by her doing that, she's also inspired a lot of other younger athletes in the academy too. Um, which, you know, leads me to my next thing. We have a, a young team. We have a good crew of young blue belts and purple belts who are going to go out there and do their thing. Um, but, you know, even other people from other academies have come over to cross in with us. Like, for example, we had Gabriel Souza in the house for the last couple of weeks training with us. Um, he's been putting in a lot of work, too. And it's cool to have that, you know, that's and that, that goes to show the kind of environment that we have in my academy. Uh, you know, everyone's welcome. Everyone comes in and trains hard together and, and helps one another reach that next level and get prepared for these big events. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. You know, Fionn's the defending champion. Uh, we came up with the silver medal at PANS, which, which you know, at the end of the day, we want to win everything, but it gave us something to work on, kind of see what we need to fix and what we need to make better. And that's exactly what we've been doing the last eight weeks. That's amazing. Well, one thing I think a lot of people look up to you for is just your longevity in the sport. Like you talked about earlier, you were competing at the 2010 Worlds. Yeah. I don't even think that was your first Worlds as a black belt. So you've crazy been competing at the highest levels for well over a decade. You have a really successful academy. What advice would you give to someone who wants to maintain that level of longevity, have success not only as a competitor, but now you're a successful business owner and a leader. You know, someone who wants to, uh, you know, do what I've done and to continue, and to continue keeping themselves at a high level and, and, and keeping a, a strong team at the same time, um, just have no ego, have no ego, right? And, and I know it's easier said than done, but what I'm trying to say is when, when you got to recognize when there's a newer generation coming in, right? And don't be afraid to learn from them. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, I've con I'm constantly learning from my blue belts and purple belts and Fion and all, all these other younger generation of athletes coming into the academy. And of course, I'm teaching them everything I know. But at the same time, they got a new way of looking at things, new way of looking at techniques. And when you allow yourself to continue to learn, it's only going to do good for you. It's only going to help you stay uh, sharp with your with your own skills. And I. I've done exactly that. You know, I, I've never been ashamed to learn from anybody. Um, and I guess that's why I've, one of the reasons why I've been so successful for so long. Uh, I'm always someone who's always on the mats, training and always willing to learn. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, JT, today. Do you have any final thoughts or anything else you wanted to share before we wrap this up? Uh, you know, I just want to thank you guys uh, for having me on the show today, on the podcast today. I'm excited to be uh, be here. I'm super pumped to be competing. I want to thank everybody who's going to be in the stands uh, rooting for us and against us. You know, it's all love at the end of the day. It all makes for excitement. And, you know, I, I just want to wish everyone a, a great campaign. Everyone stay healthy. Everyone stay strong. And let's all put on a great show next weekend. Thank you again, JT. We can't wait to watch you compete in the lightweight division. If you guys want to watch it, you can go to flowgrappling.com. The event starts Thursday, June 1st, runs through Sunday, June 4th with the Black Belt Finals. We'll see you guys soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to the IBJJF podcast. Be sure to head over to IBJJF.com for the latest news and events from the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. We hope you enjoyed the show.